Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me is my compatriot, as always, Sean the Arcade Phantom. How you doing, Craig? I'm doing great, buddy. So what are we uh, talking about today? So today, we're talking about a subject that is near and dear to everybody who grew up and had a friend hook up with somebody. Bart's friend falls in love. The third wheel episode. <laughs> Indeed it is. Oh, how this episode rings true. Sean, when did this episode first air? May 7th, 1992. Yeah, so in this romantic episode, Bart's best friend, Milhouse, falls in love with the new girl, threatening their friendship, which prompts Bart to hatch a scheme to break them apart. Bart's super devious, and I can't wait to get to that, because this is a really evil episode from him. Is it that evil? We'll, we'll get to that. Sean, uh, you, you've been harping on me for a while now about how, like, everything I do... Involving Nazis in the news and everything, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, what do you got? Nazis, Nazis, Nazis. Wait, wait, wait really? Yes, because May fifth, nineteen ninety two, for the MS DOS, Wolfenstein three D was released. Nice. I have pretty fond memories of killing Nazis in this game. So I remember playing Wolfenstein when it first came out in ninety two. Hmm. That that's weird to me that I was like seven years old shooting Nazis. I was a few years older when I played this with my cousin, but honestly, not that much older. And I remember my aunt got really mad at my cousin one time because he was playing this because yeah. she's like, "Oh, it's disgusting." And he's like, "Yeah, but we're killing Nazis. And Nazis are evil." That that is true. That is undeniably true. It's the most true thing he could say. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what's a parent going to say to that? Don't kill Nazis. They're not that evil. No, fuck Nazis. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't, I don't care if any white supremacists are upset with me with this. Fuck Nazis. For the record, Sean, if they, if any of our listeners have gotten to know us and, like, our white supremacists and felt like we were kindred spirits, I feel like we've just been going about life all wrong. It's just, you know. Man, this, our Discord's going to just go to hell after this episode. Nah. All these no white supremacists are going to come out at us. Meh. And you want to uh, know something that's kind of interesting and, and is unplanned completely? Yellow supremacist in The Simpsons? No, my news. What's sad and depressing and Nazi-related from you? Not Nazi-related, but <laughs> white supremacist-related. So in uh, around this time, the 1992 Los Angeles riots began. On April 29th, uh, which was days before this uh, uh, episode aired, uh, after a trial jury acquitted four officers of the LAPD for excessive force in the arrest and beating of Rodney King. So for those who don't know, uh, this event was videotaped and was shown on TV. Ton of public exposure. And it's honestly heartbreaking to watch this clip. You can still YouTube it. Like it's, it's out there. Rodney King 
just has the hell beat out of him by a bunch of white cops. It's disgusting. And it's utterly vile. So the the riots lasted from May 4th, uh, or uh, lasted until May 4th, I should say, cost the city about a billion dollar in damages. 63 were killed. 2,383 people were injured. And it ended only after the governor sent in the California National Guard and President Bush deployed the 7th Infantry Division and the 1st Marine Division. Hey, by the way, Sean, want to know an interesting fact? Guess what the jury mostly was? Um, I'm going to guess white. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> You're correct. The the very white jury absolutely was like, oh, no, 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 you know, could have been anything happening here. Well, I mean, uh, what what would have happened if it wasn't videotaped? It would have been cops covering up cops. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But it's disgusting that it was videotaped and still they got away. That still happens today. You're People still get shot for just being pulled over, and mm-hmm. yeah, for the world sucks. Things. Like yeah. it always fucking has sucked, <laughs> and it always will suck. <laughs> Fuck this world. I'm sorry. I'm starting this episode off depressed, mm-hmm. as you should. Uh, so the the officer's defense, by the way, before the footage starts, despite the fact he's seen uh, running away, Rodney King was able to throw the police off of himself so that he couldn't be restrained. I don't know if you know this, but Rodney King is like the Hulk. He just threw cops off him. They were just flying all over, and they finally were like, Mr. King, please stop. We need to subdue you. And he was like, I'm going to go kill some puppies and orphans. And they were like, we're only doing this because we have to, and started beating the hell out of him. I think that's how their defense went. That's bullshit america <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically so i mean if that was nowadays he would have been shot real quick so i mean probably yeah i uh, you know so but seriously fuck this oh yeah no it is incredibly infuriating and you know it, i've talked to, to some people that like you know basically kind of like that low-key racism where it's like well yeah i understand the frustration but like you know they shouldn't have rioted it's like when you're that angry that like society itself is like against you, your country's against you, your own like your own race is being used against you. That's disgusting and vile. And yeah, I'd explode in anger too. Oh fuck yeah, I would too. Have, have you ever seen the movie Blind Spotting? No, I haven't. So Blind Spotting is about a guy who sees a pol- uh, police officer commit a just random shot on a black citizen. It's this black guy who sees it. Yeah. And it's basically him going through his life and, like, the PTSD he has from it. And eventually, he confronts the police officer. Really? And, like, the, the police officer is distraught and he doesn't know how to deal with it. It's a fantastic fucking movie. And I cannot recommend it enough. It's, like, 2018, 2019. Oh, okay. So this is it's, recent. It's recent. Yeah. It's fantastic. Interesting. I'll have to add that to the list of movies that I, I keep saying, I'll add it to my <laughs> list. And I just don't get around to it because I'm a weird person who's just doesn't get around to watching a lot of movies. I, but I tell you what, Sean, let's dive into the episode and hopefully get our minds off the fact that life is a never ending torrent of misery. Yeah. Indiana Jones time. Let's do this. (laughs) So Homer, uh, we find in his room with like kind of like John Williams esque music going on. It is the Indiana Jones music. So it starts to own the Indiana Jones Mm -hmm. rights. So they were able to use John Williams music for it. And so 
for somebody like me who's not as huge of a movie buff, to me it just reminds me of it until the the main score kicks in. So like it's the dungeon music and Bart goes to the change jar in Homer's room that says don't touch. He kind of like plays around with it for a second, takes it, feels comfortable, and then Homer jumps in in his underwear and he's like, "Why you little?" And the Indiana Jones theme starts really really blaring and I uh, yeah, it's basically it's Indiana one of the Jones. most iconic Simpsons openings I can think of. I would say so. It's up there with like the uh, the uh, Roadrunner Wiley Coyote one. Yes, you know, which is just like it's just very cartoony and goofy and fun. But this one gets shown in a clip show later on, so we see it twice in the series. Oh, we do, don't we? Yep. Interesting. So I. Uh, so Bart runs through and like it's it's all the Indiana Jones stuff like Maggie shoots a dart gun and the darts stick to the wall as like Bart runs away. His hat drops as he goes under the garage door. Uh, Homer in his underwear is just yelling gibberish from outside in the front yard. Did you ever have an electric uh garage opener uh no no we never did growing up it was always manual big heavy giant metal door so i've rolled underneath garage doors many times doing that no i will say anytime a friend (laughs) or a a family member had one i would usually try to like hit the button run and barrel roll underneath it i I still do that i still do that to this day where i try to do it any any sensible person does there's no there's no (laughs) judgment here so uh bart gets onto the bus and, you know, he's he's got this, you know, change jar for his, like, show and tell? Yeah, what, what was the point of that? Was he just stealing it for money? I, I think it was a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I think he wanted the money, and I think he, he enjoyed the fact he could tell a story to his classmates about it. I presume, right? I would assume so. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. As much sense as anything else. Uh, Millhouse, however, brought a magic eight ball. Ooh. Although they don't call it the magic eight ball. Well, that's because it's copyrighted. Yeah, they never once use that phrase. It's like a, a, a magic billiard ball or or the eight ball. Like they never refer to it by its full magic eight ball name. Uh, but much, uh, well, actually, uh, for those who don't know, I mean, a magic eight ball is like the is a, a big eight ball. It's like this novelty billiard ball. And when you flip it upside down, there's like a little like, plastic clear thing and you see that the the billiard ball is like filled with liquid and there's like a uh like a tiny brick that floats and d8 essentially yeah it's a a, an eight-sided dice essentially and each side has differing things so it's like you know yes no outlook says no outlook says yes you know maybe uh try again later you know there's all these random things and so you can ask it questions and, and it you know answers them uh, and so, like, while, uh, uh, you know, Milhouse is testing it, he's like, uh, he's like, or no, Bart tests it first. And he's like, am I going to fail the test later? And it says yes. Uh, or or signs point to yes or whatever. It's Willie Pass's English test. Yes. Outlook not so good. Outlook not so good. And he's like, wow, that eight ball knows everything. Milhouse tries it. And he's like, am I going to get beat up today? And it's like, what, signs point to yes? All signs point to yes. <laughs> and Nelson just leans over in the school bus. He's like, that eight ball knows everything. And just clobbers Milhouse in the head. Which is one of my favorite scenes from the episode. Just because of <laughs> Nelson, like... Being kind of buddy buddy, but still an asshole, is kind of funny to me. Oh, it's always funny. Yeah. Like I love when they go on the road trip together. Oh yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. I uh, and so Bart wants to to test it though, 
And so he asks, he's like, you know, he's like, you know, are we going to be friends when we're old men? And the eight ball isn't feeling it, is it? No, it's not. The eight ball says like, like, you know, like outlook not so good or something like that. You know, it's it, it basically is like saying no. And Bart's like, are we going to be friends when we're, you know, like, you know, deadbeats like living off of Uncle Sucker? No, they're not. And he asks again, he's like, are we going to be friends by the end of the day? And the eight ball says no. And he says, he's like, what could possibly get between two buddies? Meanwhile, <laughs> over in the principal's office with a dun-dun-dun. So, mm-hmm. I've got a magic eight ball here right now. Oh, yeah? Craig, are we going to be friends when we're old men? I mean, are we? What's the eight ball say? Let's find out. Uh, what do we got? What do we got, Sean? I, I bet we will, right? My sources say no. Oh, that ain't good. Are we going to be friends when, we're, when our podcast fails and we're living off Uncle Sucker? Most likely. Okay, okay so, so we're you know, good. We'll, we'll split up in, you know, our middle ages. and Oh, that's maybe even happening right now. Huh. Am I going to take the money from this podcast and run? <laughs> what does it say? I'm shaking it. Uh-huh. It starts to say no. Wow, it must be me who steals it then. <laughs> You're a jerk. <laughs> I knew it. So uh, this is an, an amazing scene, by the way, coming up here. So we see that uh, Samantha, this new girl, uh, is, you know, talking with Skinner. And Skinner is kind of suspicious of transfer students because, you know, he's like, you know, he's like, you know, other principals will pawn, like, you know, not very, or like, you know, pawn off, like, you know, troublemakers on like other principals. He's like, Lord knows I have. Which is funny because who are the troublemakers that were worse than uh, Jimbo, Dolph, Kearney, Nelson, and Bart? Nelson's two friends? I mean, they'll show up at least once or twice again, but... Yeah, I mean, they, they weren't that bad. They were flunkies. Really, Skinner should have been getting rid of Bart, Jimbo, Kearney, Dolph. Yeah, all of them, pretty much. I, uh, But I love that, uh, uh, you know... It, you know, she's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a good student. And he's like, yeah, and I was supposed to get a parade after Nam. And he's like, instead they spat on me. And he like leans away from her and like the light from the, the shades like comes in and he gets super, super edgy. Skinner totally has PTSD. Yeah, Holy shit. It's going to come up again. But is is this one of Skinner's first real PTSD moments? Because like, we know he was in Nam. You know, he, he had uh, mentioned that he uh, drove a. Uh, what was in an all-terrain vehicle in uh, yeah, like, like uh, Denang? Yeah, he's not so much exhibiting PTSD yet. He's just got some signs of someone who has PTSD. Mm-hmm. He'll actually exhibit it once he's... Um, I love Lisa. Johnny? 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 Johnny! Johnny! Cool, I broke his brain. Uh, so, uh, Skinner also mentions that he was uh, uh, a... Uh, uh, a POW. He was trapped in a tiger cage for 18 months. That would suck. Yeah, 18 would. agonizing months. <laughs> he had to subsist on a stew of four kinds of rice. And, but this is the first time he does mention his PTSD. He doesn't exhibit it, but he does say that every night he wakes up screaming. Yeah. Yeah, that ain't good. 
well, let's meet your classmates. <laughs> <laughs> so, so over in class, uh, they've taken the test, and Bart stands on his desk. He's like, to those who doubt the eight ball, I say, behold my F. And I love that is uh, put in very poor even for you. <laughs> Krabappel's a bitch, and I love her for it. She's so good. I love her. I mean, she's so good in the sense that she's a great character, but not so good as that she's good to Bart. Anywho, so I... Uh, she did send half-naked photos to Bart. That's. I wish my teachers would have sent me half-naked photos. I mean, my. You know what? Um, let's just change the subject. So I. Uh, we also see the uh, the religious kid that's about to walk. Uh, one of the religious kids who's about to walk out here soon in the front row, who leaves the class forever. I only can only assume after this episode they go to a uh, religious school and they don't deal with uh, Springfield Elementary ever again. Uh, but I. I Skinner comes in and he's like, he's like, you know, meet your new uh, classmate, Samantha Stinky. And he's like, everyone laughs. And he's like, oh, Stanky. And he's like, how embarrassing for you. And he bolts. Uh, I also like that uh, Krabappel, when, when, you know, Skinner brings her in, she's like, just keep backing away, Seymour. Uh, and he's like, we'll talk about it later, Edna. <laughs> and like the smile she gives, I really like it. I. Uh, but uh, Samantha basically introduces herself, right? And, you know, she's talking about how, uh, uh, you know, there's a weird smell in the town that everyone else is probably used to. And Krabappel tells her it takes a few months. And uh, what city is she from? Uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Is that right? Bam. You got it. Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, now, do you remember why uh, she came to the city or uh, her uh, uh, dad moved to the city? Because he works for a home security service, and Springfield has more break-ins than anywhere else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just, just so great. I uh, love it. So, I, uh, you know, Milhouse is kind of staring at her. He's a little infatuated. Bart is not so impressed. Uh, he offers uh, kids wet willies on the playground. What the hell's a wet willy, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know about you, but, like, did you know all the names for all the, like, Wet Wheelie and Hertz Donuts? And, like, did you know all that when you were younger? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I thought everyone did, but, but like, the students okay. in Bart's class, he's like, hey, he's like, Lewis, can I interest you in a Wet Wheelie? And he's like, sure. And it's like, who says yes to that? I'm going to tell a story about that because yeah. some kids don't know these things. Really? We were in high school together. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And there was a kid who I'm not going to name. Uh-huh. That's polite of you. And also, we won't get a, a, a tried for slander. <laughs> we asked him if he knew what a sackwack was. <laughs> and he didn't know what a sackwack was. That's, so, yeah. So he asked for a sackwack. He really wanted a sackwack. I don't understand how he didn't put two and two together there. But man, did I nail him hard. <laughs> just bam. Oh. <sighs> So, so yeah, rotten. I get that the kids didn't know what wet willies were because so and so didn't know what a sack whack was. <laughs> I just it, it kills me because it's like you know I, I it's just, in the name right. I also feel like that's a cartoon moment. Like you know, do you know what a sack whack is? Uh, no. What is it? Oh, I, I shouldn't be telling you. No, I I I want to know. Well, you don't want a sack whack. No, I want a sack whack. I, I I just don't think you want a sack whack. No, give me a sack whack right now. It's just it's very cartoony. I didn't make that fucking story up. That's no, real. That, that was, really happened. Yeah, that you actually can happened. testify mm -hmm. to that. It did happen. In fact, I will bring Xander on from Legend of Retro <laughs> to testify to that story. It, no, it really happened. It was weird, but yeah, it, it happened. 
Uh, so they head back into class. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Milhouse finally meets Samantha. Yeah. That's probably pretty important, right? I guess. So uh, Milhouse gets a dodgeball to the back of his head. Wait, doesn't he meet her after the movie? Oh, maybe. I almost thought he met her then. I. Uh, and yeah, no, I think this was the yeah, time you're, when he. You're yeah, right. He does yeah. meet her. He meets her uh, while Bart's on recess because Bart gives him a wet willy and then runs off to give it yep. to Lewis. Uh, so Milhouse has his glasses thrown off, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna tear apart whoever," and then stops when Samantha's no, you're in front not. Of him. You're fucking Milhouse. Listen, Milhouse is eventually gonna be a military strongman, right? Oh yeah. No, he's not. You were right the first time. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Milhouse yeah. Would, would get his butt kicked by just about everybody. At least he's doing better than his dad. <laughs> Mr. Van Houten. Mm. Anywho. Uh, so uh, uh, they, they head back into class and Krabappel starts talking about how they're going to get sex ed. Do why, you, why are they getting sex ed? Do you, they're pretty young, right? Because like Bart's in what grade? Fourth? Fourth grade. I didn't get sex ed until fifth and then sixth grade. I had it both those years. We got like a like kind of a basic course in fifth grade, I thought, and then sixth grade was like a more in depth kind of thing. I think we got it fifth and sixth as well. I think that's this must be like maybe state mandated time for us. I mean, before then, kids were just knocking each other up left and right <laughs> on the playground. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, although I will say, uh, it, it was always a little weird because like I remember going into sex ed and like. It was almost like sort of nice for me because I hit puberty a little early. Like I had hit puberty like maybe like the a couple of years before. Craig had a full beard in fifth grade <laughs> is what he's getting at. <laughs> Enormous beard. Giant beard. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, re- I distinctly remember like, like you know, like learning some of this stuff and everyone's like, oh, this is dumb and gross. Oh, we're never going to use this. And I'm like, I'm already using this shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but anyhow, uh, Krabappel kind of is, you know, a little on the uh, angry side talking about how, uh, uh, you know. Do you want to know something really funny about one of my sex ed classes? What's that? We watched what they're about to watch. Wait, like the same thing pretty much? We watched the Simpsons clip. Wait, really? Yeah. This Simpsons clip? This Simpsons clip we watched in my sex ed class. It was taped on a VHS tape. Why? Because it led to a discussion. It got kids loosened up. That's not the phrase we want to use right now, Sean. <laughs> it is, because when you first get sex ed, everybody wants to like, laugh at it, make jokes, pull boners. But you can't pull boners when you're in sex ed. You got to be serious for it. So we watch this to kind of loosen us up and get us into it. You know what? You're, we you're right. We stopped pulling boners and we got loosened up. There's nothing I loved more when I was uh, in fifth and sixth grade than pulling boners. I know. That's, that is true. In many, I just got but, a, I just got our show canceled right there with that whole line. <laughs> I hit the explicit button every time I post this show. We're okay. Uh, no, I just mean everybody stopped listening. Oh, that happened a long time ago. Okay. So, so, but no, we really watched this in my sex ed class. That's weird. It was like kind of a break the ice kind of thing. That's kind of weird, huh? Anywho, so Krabappel talks about how you know. 
Uh, most most of the kids are like, I'll never really fall in love. They'll marry out of desperation. Here's this videotape, and they play. Uh, One uh, of the two kids who get. Um, oh yeah. The parents' notes. Do you uh, have their names? Ezekiel and Ishmael. Uh, and uh, Krabappel says, "You can go out into the hall and pray for our souls." And. Finally, we have Fuzzy Bunny's Guide to uh, You Know What, which is hosted by Troy McClure. Do you remember him from such educational films as Lead Paint, Delicious But Deadly? And here comes the metric system? Because I do. Uh, I also know that Fuzzy Bunny's Guide to You Know What is copyrighted in 1971. Nice. Also, Fluffy is Jewish. Is he? Yeah, he uh, uh, he does the, the glass smash thing. Oh, yeah. At the wedding. Yeah, he's Jewish. Uh, also, apparently, uh, uh, Fuzzy Bunny or Flu- uh, it's Fuzzy Bunny is Fluffy's girlfriend, right? Yes. Fuzzy Bunny apparently is faking it. There is a joke about faking an orgasm in The Simpsons <laughs> during the classroom <laughs> sequence. That's weird, right? I love that joke, but it's super weird. It is very funny. It's very offhand. And so, like, you know, I don't I don't think that, like, you know, anyone would have really had issue with it. Aside that from, night like, came the wedding. <laughs> she's faking it. <laughs> Ew. I also love that uh, uh, Troy McClure, uh, uh, during his narration, he's like, they had 14 baby bunnies. Eight survived. Um. Uh, Nelson asks Krabappel at the end of the video when she asks if there's questions. I, uh, what is it like? You know, why do why don't you live with Mister Krabappel? And she's like, because uh, Mister Krabappel chased something white and fluffy down a rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, which it'd be their marriage counselor, right? Is yeah. that who uh, he hooked up with? Yeah. yeah, he ran naked on the beach with their marriage counselor. Bart has another question, which is uh, kind of dumb, and we'll talk about it later, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, uh, Bart asks a very side-railing or uh, derailing question, and, you know. Anywho, uh, so Bart goes outside at the end of the day, and he gets on the school bus, and Otto's about to take off, and he's like, Otto, man, he's like, you know, Millhouse isn't here yet. And he's like, sorry, man. He's like, my girlfriend is dancing topless at the airport bar from 4.15 to 4.20. Okay, I did a lot of research into that line. Mm -hmm. I cannot find a strip club in an airport. I don't think there would. I found strip clubs close to airports. Yeah, I I think that's the case. I, I think... If I'm not mistaken, I could be crazy. At least it seems that way with like the Detroit area. And we do have a strip club called the Fight Flight Club. <laughs> Indeed, we do. I had a bachelor party that went there, I believe, uh, which is an awkward story for another time. Uh, but uh, when it comes to uh, uh, strip clubs and like airports, I think that because of the fact that you have like so many like business people coming and going from like airports, I. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a, tends to be more strip clubs around airports for the fact that it's like, oh, hey, you have to get a hotel around here anyway. Here's something like they can capitalize on that. Oh, yeah. You know, so so I, I think that's probably something that's common. At the very least, it's common in Detroit. People are scumbags. That's yeah, how basically. it'll always be. <laughs> basically. Uh, and as Bart gets on the bus. We see that Milhouse is walking away with Samantha hand in hand uh, because they've been eyeing each other during that movie, which is awkward. Uh, Bart gets to or, or is hanging out in the tree uh, treehouse, though, and Milhouse comes in and Bart at first is like, Milhouse, he's like, you know, my friend. 
And then Samantha comes in. He's like, what's with the skirt? <laughs> Bart, damn. Bart is a little sexist. Bart is at the stage of his life where he's not interested in women. And let's face it, I can't imagine Bart is going to not be He's gonna. He's probably gonna be sexist, right? Later in life, he he's te- he tends to be on the sexist side with a lot of his jokes, probably, presumably. Uh, but I, uh, you know, Bart wants to know what's up, and I, uh, you know, Millhouse is like, well, I brought brought friends before, and he's like, yeah, but none of them have been women, and uh, uh, Samantha's like, you know, oh, Bart. Has said something else to that. Oh, that's right. What if I want to strut around nude? And then Samantha is like, maybe I should go. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, plenty of comics. And he's like, offers up, uh, what is it, radioactive man marries the swamp hag or Reverse something. Versus the swamp hag. Versus the swamp hag. Thank you. And uh, and she's like, do you have any uh, like girl comics? And she lists off some. Bonnie Crane Girl Attorney, Punkin and Duncan, The Twinkle Twins, or Little Knee uh Little Knee Socks Comics. Which are all made up. Yeah, they're all fake. Yeah. I, I, I sat there and looked all of those up trying to figure out if they were real, and they were not. I was really pissed. I mean, Betty and Veronica and Lois Lane would probably be the only female comics I could think of from that era. I well he Bart does bring in, which is another made-up comic, doomed romance comics. But was that a thing? I mean, there were romance comics, but they were more adult, more adult. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, you got to think at this time in the '90s, those comics would be probably what pretty dirt cheap, you yeah. know, in bargain bins and stuff at comic shops. Lord knows, Lisa could have bought some, even if they're geared towards a more adult audience. Lisa does probably still have stuff like that. That that kind of makes sense. Lisa's spank bank. Gotcha. I don't like it being referred to as that, but yes, you're right. I mean, can we can we call it something else? Anything else? Her dirty box. I take it back. Anyway, uh, so speaking of Lisa, she and Homer are watching Smartline, and Homer says something that pisses me off. I I was gonna. Do a Patreon plug, but yeah, what do you got? <laughs> says, Smartline sucks. That's not true in the least. Smartline is amazing. It is amazing. Go what is it. Smartline? Well, if you go to patreon.com slash gamezilla media, uh, Sean and I do a uh, bi-monthly special called Smartline, where we give you a couple of uh, roughly half hour long episodes and uh, talk about The Simpsons, different characters, different topics, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Sometimes we get a little zany and we talk about things that are sort of related to The Simpsons. Like, I think we'll be doing murder mysteries to tie into Black Widower. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that's uh, coming up here soon. Uh, or is already out? I think it would have just come out. Yeah, something like that. One or the other. You'll, you'll see it soon. Uh, that's at the $5 tier, and there's always the dollar tier if you want to even support us for as low as that. But <clears throat> anywho, uh, Ken Brockman is uh, uh, you know on Smartline, and he's talking about how America's too fat. And he says that uh, 34 million Americans are obese, overweight, which is adorable. Do you know what that number is now, Sean? What is that number, Craig? It's doubled. 70 million Americans today are overweight. At the time of this episode, the amount of fat could fill up two-fifths of the Grand Canyon, which might not sound impressive, but keep in mind, it is a very big canyon, which means that now almost... The entire Grand Canyon, if those numbers were accurate back then, would be filled with fat. 
Mm, that. <laughs> so, Homer isn't happy hearing about this, but he can't reach the remote, so he says, ah, the hell with it. And uh, Kent Brockman uh, lists off some jolly fat men that people, you know, tend to like and appreciate and stuff. Who are those fat men? So we have, uh, first off, Dom DeLuise, uh, who uh, is depicted with like a Hawaiian shirt. Actor, and, comedian. Mm-hmm, yeah. So he was uh, 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 lived from 1933 to 2009. He was an actor in Blazing Saddles, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. He was also a voice in Secret of Nim and American Tale. Hell yeah, Secret of Nim. Yeah, I, I'm pretty partial to both of those Bluth films. Uh, we also have Alfred Hitchcock listed, who was alive from 1899 to 1980, which just seems like a long stretch of time to go from 1989. I mean, obviously, that's, you know, not like... That's what, 81 years? Yeah, it's 81 years. But you got to think, how much technology changed from when he was born to when he died? My mother's grandma. Mm-hmm. So my great great grandmother, great great, yeah yeah, um, was born in a covered wagon and saw somebody land on the moon. Wow! Like that is super weird to think about. That's crazy. And you know the craziest thing? What's that? We're white. It could be way different story. Ma'am. Ma'am. Yeah. Ma'am. Oh, boy. Oh, did I just drop a <laughs> bombshell on you? Oh, boy. Let's keep going. Uh, we have, uh, uh, let's see. Oh, I, uh, Sean, uh, we've talked about Alfred Hitchcock before. He's a filmmaker. I uh, Rear Window, Sabotage, Psycho, and my personal favorite. And that's Alfred the question Hitchcock I was about movie. to ask. What is your favorite? Rope. Oh. Rope is a film that's basically, it's supposed to be shot in one take. Mm-hmm. Similar to things like um, the new movie, 1917. Um, Birdman, it, right? Wasn't that another Bird, one? Birdman's also where it's all supposed to be one take. Yeah. And it's basically about these two guys who murder somebody, and they put the body into a like big box in their living room, and people keep coming into their apartment, and they have to like fake out that they didn't kill this person, and they're like moving That's around, great. and it's kind of comedic, but it's like a dark comedy. That's great. It, it's great. It's also got a great use of color. Yeah? Yeah, Hitchcock uses, like, blues and reds very vibrantly to, like, let you know, like, oh, they're about to be caught. That's pretty great. Uh, and also, uh, uh, Kent Brockman lists off Santa Claus. Who the hell is Santa Claus? <laughs> well, uh, he's the Saint... Ni- Never mind. Uh, so Santa... You see that robot we created? Mm-hmm. The one who turned evil? The one who hunts us down on Xmas. Hunts down on Xmas. I think so. Uh, so, uh, Kent Brockman though says he's like, if Santa was real, he would suffer from gallstones, hypertension, impotence, and diabetes. And at that point, Lisa starts to imagine because she sees Homer and he's a little on the bigger side. She has the darkest fucking vision I have ever seen. I love that the tombstone in her, her vision says Homer Simpson born 9.6 pounds died 402.1 pounds. And Marge cries in the this like little like you know fantasy of hers and she's like I wish they never invented fried cheese. 
<laughs> I love the guys who are like trying to get like it's like this big <laughs> piano box, uh, which by the way, the Steinway Piano Box, it's a real piano company. Ah, yeah, and uh, like they go to bring Homer in in a piano box, and they're like, the hole's too small, widen the hole, and the, they're like, oh no, the chain's breaking, and the chain falls and kills them all. And then her vision ends, and we get a commercial for the greatest thing that I have ever seen in my life. I don't know. It doesn't have cheese. We call it the Good Morning Burger. What's on that? Eight ounces of sizzling ground beef. Soak it in a rich, creamery butter. Then we top it off with bacon, ham, and a fried egg. Mmm. Rich, creamery butter. Uh, I would eat the hell out of that. Yes, it needs cheese. It also needs hot sauce. Yeah, I, I would agree with some hot sauce on that. Oh yeah. man, that would be so good. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think hot sauce is optional depending on your taste. But yeah, I, I would, I would, I would like. Yeah, if you don't have taste, you don't put hot sauce onto an egg. I mean, hot, yeah, hot sauce and egg works pretty damn well together, or especially you're on a Japanese, because then you put soy sauce on an egg and it's freaking delicious. I have had that before, and it's pretty it's good. It's freaking delicious. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, I mean, it's salt. Yeah. It's just pure salt. Uh, I kind of want eggs now. Damn. Uh, yeah, right. So, uh, meanwhile, in the treehouse, we have uh, Bart trading cards with Millhouse. Uh, and, well, he would have been hanging out with them, but they're just sitting there kissing. So what's he going to trade him? Uh, he wants to trade him his Carl Yastrzemski, which has the big sideburns. Ooh. Which means Millhouse eventually got that card. Uh, it's a 1973 card, and we talked about this on Three Men in a Comic Book. Uh, Yastrzemski played for the Red Sox from 61 to 83. He's a pretty amazing player. And he's he's uh, uh, there's a lot of gags about that card where he has really long sideburns from 1973. Uh, he's going to trade it, though, for Bart's Omar uh, uh, Visquel, I believe it's pronounced, Omar Visquel, uh, who played from 89 to 2012. He's another amazing player, but Bart's card is ripped up. He also wants, uh, he's going to trade Millhouse's Mickey Mantle, who played from uh, 1951 to 1968 for the Yankees. He's like hailed as one of the greatest baseball players ever. And his card is probably the most valuable, his rookie card. I think anyway, at least it was. What does he trade it for? I, I... He uh, uh, trades it for, I think it's a picture of Homer. It's like. a picture of Homer <laughs> on a couch. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Samantha checks the time and she's like, oh, I got to get going. And she's like, you know, I told my dad I'm getting my braces examined. Lay off the fucking cheese, Millhouse. This is the cheesiest line I've ever and heard. he's like, oh, you kind of were having your braces examined. <laughs> and he's just being real gross. And so she leaves, and Bart's like, Millhouse, what are you doing? This is the age of cooties, man. Okay, I got a question for you about this joke, and I'm going to break it down. It's going to get real dark real quick. Mm-hmm. Is this in reference to the age of HIV? I don't Be- know. Because the AIDS epidemic would have started and became popular in the mid-80s to early 90s. You're not wrong, but at the same time, I think the... the is it a childhood play on the age of HIV? It could very well be. I, I, I'm I'm iffier on that because let's face it, you know, the, the cooties gag is is simple enough that whether the, the HIV thing was going on or not, I think they would have made a joke about that at some point. Yeah, but Bart can't believe the risk he's taking. 
I, I mean, you're 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 probably onto something there. I would not be surprised. I would love to get the writer's opinion on that and like have a final answer. I I wouldn't want to say it absolutely is, but you're probably onto something there, which is depressing and dark. Hmm. I overanalyze episodes now, and it ruins them. Yes, it does. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so uh, Bart, you know, wants to know, you know, like what, what's why would Millhouse make this decision? And so Milhouse compares it to an Eskimo pie, which is a, an ice cream that originally started in the 1940s. And, you know, basically he's saying that, like, you know, it's it's best when you uh, well, he, he compares it to like waiting to kiss. Like it's not necessarily the kissing that's good. It's the like, you know, the buildup of longing and anticipation, essentially. And when, you know, in uh, Milhouse is like, you know, it's best when it's ready to melt and then you eat it. And Bart's like. She doesn't melt. Oh, yes, she does. Gross. Bro. I find bro. Gross. That, that is super gross. It is super gross, especially from what? A, a, a 10 year old boy. Ugh, gross. Especially Millhouse, right? Like, of all the people, Millhouse. Gross. So, meanwhile. Back inside, watching TV, we have uh, uh, Homer watching a commercial for a chocolate bar. Ooh. What's, rem- on, what's on this chocolate bar? So it reminds me of a caramello. So it's chocolate covered in honey and four different kinds of sugar and then dipped in rich creamery butter. <laughs> that sounds utterly disgusting, right? I'd eat the hell out of it. I, I just mean, like, you know, butter's great, but, like, having a candy bar encased in butter and eating the whole thing it just seems like that's overpowering. Like, what? Like what? Do you, what like why bother with the chocolate? Why not just eat the butter straight at that point? I don't know. Butter and chocolate goes together really well. Have you ever melted down chocolate chips with butter and then just drank them? I mean... Like, like in your saddest, darkest moments, have you ever done that? Yes. Am I the only one? Yes, I have. However, there's a subtle difference between melting it down and making like a uh, like a really rich chocolatey like syrup, and just taking a chocolate bar, <laughs> dipping it in butter, and taking a bite. That's fucked. So, I you know, Lisa grabs out Eternity magazine, which. We will see later in the series. Yeah, right? we will. This is it's used a few times. Uh, it's basically kind of like this this sort of like futuristic magazine that talks about like you know interesting technologies coming in the future in the Simpsons world. It's not real, not to the best of my knowledge. But uh, uh, Lisa talks about how you know she's like, Dad, wouldn't you like to lose weight, you know, subliminally and like without doing a thing? Or what could I? What would you do if I told you that? And Homer's like, uh, he's like, I call you a lion scumbag. He's like, why, sweetie? And she explains, you know, how this thing works. He's like, uh, he's like, he's like, Lisa, that's a load of rich creamery. But or no, she says, I uh, uh, subliminal, I, uh, I, uh, you know, I. Uh, how does she word it? Subliminal messages, like you know make you like stave off food or whatever. And he's like subliminal. He's like, that's a load of rich creamery butter. Which is amazing because that's the line they use in those commercials over and over again. Also, your favorite character is the one who made it. Okay, so we talked about this a lot in your least favorite episode of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So I don't justify 
suicide and I think people should get help. Yeah. But if somebody played Marvin Monroe while I slept, <laughs> I would fucking kill myself. I would kill myself listening to that voice all night. I would wake up depressed and angry. I might shoot up a place. I would be the angel of death and the time for purification would be at hand. Because holy shit. There's Dr. Marvin Monroe. There's Dr. Marvin Monroe. <laughs> Seriously, that is the worst torture I can imagine. I love the fact that I keep finding these little tiny Dr. Marvin Monroe moments for you. Just makes me so happy. I like that I brought it back to your least favorite episode because I would jump off that bridge. Uh, I mean, you know, I wouldn't blame you, I guess. You know, it's Dr. Marvin Monroe. So, uh, you know, he's like, Homer's like, Marge, what do you think? And like, Marge is like, oh, homie, I love you no matter what. And she's like, Lisa, what's the number for that bag? Like that magazine. I, uh, and so Marge calls up, and this is a really weird scene, right? Is, okay, so we're gonna talk about this after you tell tell the story. So yeah, so so she calls up, and the the person she's talking to on the line asks if the the person who's gonna get these tapes wants to lose weight, stop smoking, learn the state capitals, master hostage hostage negotiations, and she's like hostage negotiations and she has this like mental image of homer outside an airplane and he's like listen to bully he's like you know he's like we're not giving it to your demands what do you say about that and a machine gun opens up out of the airplane and just guns over down and she's like hmm i guess we should take the weight loss one so uh-huh. That's a joke that only happens in old simpsons. Yeah. It doesn't happen in fan fiction anymore. What's that? A cutaway gag. In 1999, they decided to stop doing cutaway gags in The Simpsons. Because of Family Guy? Because of Family Guy. Because they got big with it. Yep. So jokes like this, and when Homer has the sugar vision later on in Boy Scouts (laughs) of the Hood, (laughs) things like that will no longer happen in modern Simpsons. Which is funny, because there's a very fine line between, you know... Somebody bringing up this weird tape that he can get and imagining what that would be like, or like Homer listening to Sugar, do, 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 oh, honey, hot, uh, listening to that tape, and then having all the like sugar, like snack characters melt away and Homer throwing away the tape and being pissed. Like, there's a fine line between that and like Family Guy, where it's just like, yeah, it's just like that time I was fighting Hitler on the moon, and it cuts to like Peter in like a spacesuit battling Hitler for like 20 minutes, and it's a majority of the episode, and then the episode ends, and it's like, whoa, we're wacky. You know, like, that's not how the earlier Family Guys were, though. They were a little more down to earth, so that's why in 1999 they stopped the cutaway gag. Oh, oh, right, because 1999 is would have been the premiere of the, Family Guy. Oh, okay, that was the early stuff. Interesting. It's funny that that a show did something that they occasionally did, and they went, "We're never doing that again." And it's like, what? I mean, well, if it's funny, like, and it works, like, why would you be like? Why I get would that, it because you know? it's the reverse of Simpsons did it, where they get compared that. Oh, Family Guy does that better than you. I suppose. And I mean, let's face it, Family Guy came out swinging when it first released. A lot of people really liked it. I, I, I don't know exactly not what they're like. I keep it on the air because it got canceled. <laughs> like the Simpsons should have at one point. Yeah, you're not wrong about that, buddy. Uh, but anyhow, so I, you know, the tape order goes in. Some guy gets it in the warehouse and he's like, we're all out of, uh, you know, subliminally thin. What should we give him? And it's like, ah, give him the vocabulary tape. And he's like, here you go, fatso. And so Homer is does not have a weight loss tape coming his way. Uh, Homer, when he gets the tape, though, 
uh, which gets it pretty quick. Must have been a rush order. Uh, he has great memories of being fat. Uh, so he's what uh, uh, he's eating what French fries in the pool. Is that yeah. right? Something like that. Uh, he plays with Maggie. She bounces off his belly. Uh, he paints a face on his belly and puts like a giant hat over his head. So it's this big walking head, essentially. It's weird and creepy. Yeah, kind of. And the whole time, uh, Memories by Elvis Presley plays. Or, or at least the song is from Elvis Presley. It might be a cover artist. I couldn't really tell. Didn't Elvis cover that song? Wasn't that an old gospel song? Uh, well, yeah, probably, but probably. made popular by yeah. Elvis, yeah. Uh, I will say Marvin Monroe taught me something in this, because I always remembered this line. Uh, arbitoire. Uh, abattoir. Abattoir. Slaughterhouse. The cow was slaughtered in the abattoir. And so Homer puts in the tape, goes to bed, and apparently he goes to sleep way too fast. Maybe the New Age music puts him to sleep, and yeah, he does not hear that they're talking about vocabulary. Next morning, though, uh, Homer uh, uh, gets up and, you know, he's like eating food and they're like, Homer, how's the tape working? He's like, uh, or is the tape working? And he's like, lamentably, no, my gastronomic capacity knows no satiety. And they're like, what? what? And so I'm not going to, you know, dictionary every single one of these words, but essentially Homer's saying that he has not lost his appetite. I. Uh, Meanwhile, we have uh, Bart, who's kind of sad. He's just sitting in his room, and Marge is like, you know, she's like, why aren't you playing with, like, why aren't you playing with Milhouse? Oh, he's got a girlfriend. She's like, how cute. All they do is kiss. How cute. Wait, they don't open their mouths, do they? No. How cute. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, appre I appreciate that line greatly. Like, children being in love to adults is pretty cute, but the moment that they're opening their mouths while they kiss, yeah, that's just too far. I, uh, but I, uh, I also like that, you know, when Bart says that Milhouse has a girlfriend, Margie, his, her immediate reaction is to laugh, right? Yeah. It's just, she's just like, she just doesn't even take it seriously. Like, who would like Milhouse? Ah, <sighs> who would like Milhouse? Poor faithful Millhouse. <laughs> Poor faithful Millhouse. So, uh, Bart needs new friends, though. So, who's he going to go to, Craig? Well, he has his old fallback, and he's reluctant to go to him, but there is Martin. But Martin, no one's sat next to him since he successfully lobbied to have the school they extended by 20 minutes. But you know what? Martin is not going to betray Bart and go with someone else because he's as unpopular with the ladies as he is with the chaps. Bart, you know, says, you know, let's hang out after school. And Martin immediately is like, it's a date. Everybody, Bart and I would like to announce that we're friends. <laughs> so we get one of my favorite Martin scenes. And I, I used to hate Martin. But Mar I, Martin's in the period that I like him. Yeah, Martin at this point is is getting pretty funny. The, he's <laughs> not as, like, you know, just like, like, smarmy and it's conniving and rotten. He, he's kissing. Yeah, he's more just a big dork. And he wants to show Bart his loot. And he starts playing the loot and, and like he puts on a little like 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 a hat from the period, like a Robin Hood hat with a feather in it or whatever. And he starts playing. Martin's a bard. 
And we see as, and, and I love the transition, uh, Mar- the screen kind of like transitions to Martin as he steps up, takes a few steps and he's in front of his window and he's singing and we see Bart walking out his front door and just leaving. I uh, Bart, expedious retreat. Get away from that bard. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, we have, I, uh, I, uh, you know, back at, at the, the Simpson estate, if you will, I, uh, we have, you know, I, uh, uh, Homer and Marge and bad. And she's like, you know, she's like, Homer, you know, like, you know, you had like three desserts. I don't think that tape is working. Uh, and do you have the entire line? Cause I think I do go for it. Cause I love this line. <laughs> Forbearance is the watchword that triumvirate of Twinkies merely overwhelmed my resolve. And Marge is like, also, I don't understand anything you're saying. And he's like, tut, tut, gentle Marge for here in the boudoir, the gourmand metamorphosizes into the voluptuary. And she's like, what the hell are you talking? talking about and so he like growls at her and realizes that he wants to have sex they fuck oh yeah absolutely i'm sorry sean this is this is a family show snuggle snuggle (laughs) so bart however is gonna try his best to still be friends with millhouse actually no we can't say snuggle no 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 homer's increases vocabulary for this episode they copulate their love. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, they copulate. I, <laughs> uh, however, as as Homer and Marge copulate, you have Bart, who's made the decision that he could try to be friends with with Milhouse and Samantha. And here's where I have a bit of an issue with the fact that, like, yeah, Bart kind of goes above and beyond in his like revenge, so to speak. However, I do feel like. Bart tries in this moment. He he uh, uh, watches Itchy and Scratchy with them. Uh, it's uh, an episode where uh, uh, Itchy has an odd job hat. Which yeah, is he's an odd neat. job. Yeah, That's kind of th- weird. Throws the hat and it cuts off uh, Itchy's head and like Itchy or Scratchy's head and Scratchy's soon-to-be wife's head. Uh, they go to uh, the Springfield Googleplex theaters, which we talked about before, and they see Space Mutant Seven, which. Either means that the epi- or the the movie that or the clip of the movie we saw in the earlier episode was a flashback, or they are playing six and seven. Hmm. Yeah, right. I really want to watch all the Space Mutants movies. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you could put a collage together from the show, but it'd be like a minute and a half long. Not that much. I uh, oh, did you see some of the uh, or one of the other movies that's listed that you can see? No, I didn't. Hot grits a flying. I don't know what that's in reference to. I don't watch it. <laughs> I love grits. After the movie, though, Bart's like, hey, do you want to go spit on the principal's car? And Millhouse is like, you know, Bart, he's like, there's so there's such a thing as spending too much time together. And that's where I get a little pissed off at Millhouse. He spent all this time with his girlfriend and Bart is really trying to like be friends with them and like try to be involved in Millhouse's life. And Millhouse just wants to tell him to kiss off and use his tree fort. Millhouse wants to bone, dude. I, 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 I mean, I understand that to a degree. But here's the thing. If you can't supply your own factory for boning, if your you will. Your bonatorium. Your bonatorium. If you can't supply that yourself, you don't deserve to be boning. Because here's the thing, you know, Milhouse tells Bart that and Bart's like, fine, like, you know, there's plenty of things a kid can do for fun and like be grossed out by instead of watching YouTube lock lips. 
he goes into like this back alley near the theater and kind of starts to cry a bit. He's, he's losing a friend. I feel really bad for Bart here. And the part that I feel the worst about is Milhouse comes around the corner and Bart's in, and he's like, hey, Bart. And Bart's like, yeah. And he gets his hopes up and Milhouse is like, can I keep using your tree fort? Fuck you, Milhouse. <laughs> Milhouse is a shit. Milhouse is such a shit there because but you know Bart what? Bart gets real evil. And, and I love the animation for the scene. Oh, oh yeah. my God. It's Bart's good. Shadow. And yeah, Bart's shadow like extends behind him and gets bigger. It's such a great moment. And he hatches an evil scheme uh, because Milhouse admits. He says, uh, uh, you know, he's like, you know, if if her parent or if his dad or if her dad finds out, she'll or he'll kill her. Well, 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 what is that ammunition? And so Bart has hatched the scheme. And so I uh, over in the, the kitchen. Uh, oh, oh, no, we have Bart's great line. Samantha and Milhouse sitting in a tree about to lose, lose their, their privacy. privacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. So I like villains. What can I say? Yeah, you're preaching to the choir on <laughs> that one, my friend. So. <laughs> Another great line from Homer in this episode. He has so many golden moments. As Bart gets on the phone, Homer opens up the fridge, and he's like, now there's a Machiavellian countenance. Ooh, a sextet of ale. Machiavelli. Uh, look it up yourselves. <laughs> We're not going to do it vocabulary on this show. Ma- Machiavelli's that, uh, that jellyfish game that was on Xbox Indie Arcades that I made you play all the time. Remember that one? Machiavelli's Ascent, I think it was. Yeah, you're you're having flashbacks to that stupid jellyfish jumping up, aren't you? I'm not happy about this. So, Bart calls up Samantha's home. How we got her number, I'm not entirely sure, but there are ways to do that. And he speaks with Mr. Stanky. Oh, you know how he probably did it? Called the security company. Yeah. That's probably what it was. So he contacts the dad, and you you can't hear the dad on the line, but he's like, you know, Bart's like, who am I? And he goes... Just call me a concerned, a concerned prude with a lot of time on his hands. And in the treehouse, we have, uh, you know, Milhouse and Samantha who are, you know, kissing and making out and stuff. Oh, and, God, I hate Milhouse's line here so much. You had peanut butter for breakfast, didn't you? Yeah. That's gross. Milhouse, brush your teeth after you eat your breakfast, you disgusting little gremlin. That is just gross. You know what? If it was anything else than peanut butter, maybe you could get away with it. But it's fucking peanut butter, Millhouse. Have some respect for everyone around you, you smelly little imp. Peanut butter's fucking delicious, man. It's delicious, and it smells like trash when it's sitting in someone's mouth for hours. So the dad comes in and sees what's going on. And uh, he, is, he kind of has my favorite reaction of any Simpsons side character ever. No, he just like screams and he's a little on the weird side for being so obsessed about his daughter kissing. Samantha, but, you're my little girl. Sometimes my imagination runs away with me. Just tell me what happened. Well, me and Milhouse. That's enough. I'm putting you in <laughs> all girl school. You're never going to see that boy again. <laughs> I mean, it's a little weird that he's so obsessed with, like, keeping her away from him, but she is 10. There's a fine line there where it's like, okay, I mean, I can understand being a little bit more involved, but, like, 
moving schools is a you know, bit of a jump too, but whatever. I, uh, you know, as Samantha is carried off by her dad, and she's like Millhouse, and he's like Samantha. Bart comes in, and he's like. Oh, well, fiddle-dee-dee, you know, it's another day, what are you going to do? Better to have loved than lost. Yada, yada, yada. And Milhouse is confused. He's he's like, he's like, we started off like Romeo and Juliet, but everything ended in tragedy. <laughs> I love that line so much. Which, if you have any inkling of, of Romeo and Juliet, you know that it ends in tragedy. Romeo and Juliet's a tragedy. It's not a love story. I mean, it's a love story. It's just... Not a great one. No, it's a tragedy. It's classified as a tragedy, not a love story. Let me rephrase that. It is a tragedy with love. Yes. It's a tragedy with romance, but it is a tragedy. Yeah, it's, it's very true. Uh, so while Homer's sleeping, uh, we hear Marvin Monroe again, and he's like, uh, he's like, here a spacey. He's like predicting the future through the study of animal entrails. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very D&D thing, by the way. Yeah, you have your shamans do that for sure. Oh, God, that's awesome. <laughs> so Lisa wakes Homer and she's like, Dad, do you know what day today is? And he's like, the vernal equinox? And she's like, no, it's been two weeks. And he gets on the scale and he gained 13 pounds in two weeks. Homer explodes. Throws the the you know the uh, the cassette into the garbage. We'll get to what he yells later. I uh, I uh, but I uh, he's not thrilled. But maybe this you know maybe all this vocabulary had an impact on him. Let's see. So back at school, which is another amazing line, we have Millhouse who's like on the jungle gym and like it's like a storm is blowing through and he's all sad and like one of the kids is like, it's recess everywhere but in his heart. Holy fuck, that's dark but awesome. (laughs) I've actually used that line before. It's recess everywhere but in his heart. Bart is feeling a little guilty. He goes to Lisa and you know She's like, why did you come to me? And he's like, well, mom isn't here. And she and she's like, what about dad? And he's like, well, I couldn't understand what he's saying. <laughs> uh, and, you know, despite the fact that in some amount of years, there's going to be a minty gel that will remove guilt in the future. It's not on the market yet. Made by the Dow Chemical Company. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, boy. And, uh, you know, Bart's going to have to just suck it up and apologize. I don't think he has a ton to apologize for, but whatever. So, you know, Bart goes to, uh, uh, you know, the Van Houtens, and Mrs. Van Houten is like, oh, it's so good that you're here. He needs a friend. And Bart's like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Bart goes into Milhouse's room, and Milhouse is upset. And he's like, you know, he's like, I don't want you to see me cry. And Bart says, oh, come on. You cry when they're out of chocolate milk. You cry when you're doing long division. You have a remainder left over. However, Milhouse doesn't want him to see him or see him cry this time. And I. Well, Bart comes clean and he's like, Milhouse, he's like, I'm the one who ratted on you. Donna! So Milhouse jumps up and he's like, you what? And he jumps across the room and starts freaking out and fighting Bart. Fighting him. Good Lord. His parents, though, are pretty excited because he's out of bed and uh, full of beans. And then they close the door. 
and the fight theme that we hear throughout the series, like, you know, maybe a few more times throughout the series. Uh, the one from Three Men in a Comic Book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Starts playing again. I, I think we maybe get it one more time after this, or is this it? I'm pretty sure we get it at least one more time. Yeah, I think we do. I think you're right. Uh, so I have a story about this. Fighting or the fighting. eight ball that's coming? Fighting oh, yeah. and being kind of a shit like parent. Uh-huh. So <laughs> yeah. one time me and my brother were beating the hell out of each other. Uh-huh. And then we were in one of our bedrooms and just beating the hell out of each other. Sounds right. And my dad opened up the door and just pissed off, was like, keep it down, I'm trying to watch TV, and slammed the door. Which sounds like shitty parenting, right? <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. We stopped choking each other and we just started laughing because it was so bad. We just started laughing and it totally disarmed the scenario. That's pretty funny. I like that. I like that a lot. So as Bart is being choked by Millhouse, Bart starts like, you know, pa- like pawing around him for, for something to use. And there's like what? Like a brick? A broken bottle? Yeah, there's like a ton of stuff that would murder Millhouse. And he gets a hold of the eight ball. And full circle, clocks him in the head with it, and delivers a really, really clever line when he's like, bet the eight ball didn't see that one coming. And, you know, the fight has been broken up and they're done. Back at home, Homer is eating ice cream. And he goes to Marge and he's like, where's the metal dealy that you used to dig food? And she's like, a spoon? He's like, yeah, uh, uh. And he like gets the spoon and starts eating ice cream. And clearly the the vocabulary has faded away already. However, at St. Sebastian's School for Wicked Girls. God damn. Yikes. Literally, god damn. God <laughs> damn. God damn indeed. I... <laughs> uh, Milhouse and Bart have come, and Bart's like, are you sure this is what you want? And, and Milhouse is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, Milhouse delivers a 10-gallon jug of gummy bears to her as a present. That's an awesome gift, and I hate gummy bears. Yeah, an off- awesome gift until you have nothing but diarrhea for days. <laughs> Diabetes. Yeah, that too. Jesus. Uh, and Bart apologizes to Samantha for getting her put in the penguin house, and she says she likes it. It's it's run by French Canadian nuns. Is that a Madeline reference? Might be. I didn't even think about that. That's what I was th- wondering. Because uh, Madeline uh, or Madeline uh, was like a uh, like a what a Canadian cartoon about like a French Canadian nun that took care of some little girls, and like I I, I feel like it would have been popular by here by uh, now right because wasn't that like in the 80s when that cartoon was out i could be crazy but i feel like it would have been a thing by now i was watching gi joe's in the 80s i mean yeah I'm too was, manly for madeline I, mean, I wasn't watching madeline either but i remember it being a nickelodeon or nick jr or something ah she went to boarding school in paris actually oh, it was paris yeah oh, i wonder if the cartoon was in canada or if they just all spoke pseudo french english Anyway, God, that's uh, hmm? that's really against French Canadians, Craig. I mean, I don't mean that like that their language is actually like that. I just mean that like that's what the cartoon would do to replicate it. I mean, don't be wrong. I'll hate on the French all day and all night because you're French. However, <laughs> I don't actually think that that's the case. I'm just saying that, like, you know, in the sense of, like, you know, when they're like, oh, we need a cartoon about French Canadians, uh, just have them speak English with a French accent. Like, that's what they would do, right? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, 
Milhouse tries to kiss Samantha goodbye as like that she has to leave. And apparently it's 50 rosaries a kiss, which is like a religious thing, right? Yeah, you basically have to make a prayer for each rosary bead. Oh, there we go. Thank you. I, uh, you know, when, when Milhouse asks Bart, though, as they leave, like, oh, and she does kiss him goodbye, which is nice. That's a nice little scene. I uh, With her mouth open? No. Milhouse, you got screwed, bro. <laughs> so, uh, Milhouse is like, you know, Bart, do you ever think I'll meet a girl like her again? And Bart says that they're all the same to him. So let's go whip donuts at old people. Hell yeah. And then we get a final little scene, which is Homer says, S-E-Z. Homer says, increase your wordiness. Satiety, belt-popping fullness. Triumvirate, three guys giving orders. So far, he's kind of right. Boudoir is my favorite. Well, hold on. There's gourmand, like a gourmet, only fatter. Machiavellian. I don't know. And Boudoir, <laughs> where a French guy does it. And honestly, aside from Machiavellian and Boudoir, Homer's not entirely off on the rest of those. I mean, Boudoir isn't that far off. Basically. I mean, as a French guy, <laughs> let me tell you, I refer to the bedroom as the Boudoir very often. You've never once done that, have you? Not once in my life. <laughs> <laughs> So, Sean, that's the episode. What's the lasting impact for you? Because for me, in my opinion, and, and I don't know necessarily if this is is the, the, the general consensus, but to me, the B plot is funnier than the A plot. I love all of the stupid Homer, like just all the lines he has, all the great writing there. I feel like that part is, to me, I love that more than the A plot. I love the A-plot for this one. I'm going to go with the fact that it is kind of a boys will be boys episode, which uh, yeah, I would South say so. Park fashions itself on being like some of their best episodes, the boys will be boys episodes. Yeah. And I love that about this episode. It, I mean, it is uh, a, a pretty, you know. It's kids being kids. Yeah, realistic it's look. It's a realistic at, like, look from a kid's point of view at how they would deal with these scenarios. And let's face it, I mean, I don't know about you, I didn't really have any friends that, like, got girlfriends necessarily in elementary school. Oh, I did. I hung out with all the popular kids. Hell, I had a girlfriend in elementary school. I I guess I was just too busy fighting for my life in my elementary school because we weren't about hugging like yours was. <laughs> well, hugging leads to group love, and let me tell you. <laughs> I hate your school. I hate your 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 disgusting school with all of its sin and group love. I had a time machine, so oh my God, I'd, I'd, Schultz. <laughs> oh, Schultz. <laughs> Anybody who's not a patron is just like, what? Why do they know. keep bringing that up? What Why the hell? You, I don't understand. What is the Schultz time machine? What? Uh, yeah. So, so it is, I, I agree with you. It is definitely a, a, you know, uh, a kid's a, point of view. Yeah. A kid scenario. Yeah. A, a very, a child's point of view. Look at love. And I definitely appreciate that, of course. But man, I love that B plot in this episode. Oh, that, that B plot's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And it's so minor and small. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And it's, it's dumb. It's dumb. It is very stupid. But my God, just the, 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 like, the writing Homer has for, like, all of his lines is so great. Uh, but I tell you what, Sean, what is your quote of the episode? So Bart is asked by Kravapal if he has any questions about what they just saw. <laughs> and he says, how do I create a half-man, half-monkey type creature? 
I'm sorry, Bart. That would be playing God. God schmod. I want my monkey man. <laughs> so my quote of the episode is when Homer realizes that he put on 13 pounds, uh, you know, not realizing that he has a vocabulary tape, but, you know, it, it, this thing is not working for him, clearly. And Homer grabs the tape out, pulls the, the magnetic tape and, like, ruins it. And he's like, disingenuous montebanks with their subliminal chicanery of pox on them. Thank you.